This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, Holly. Hey, Dave. What is happening with yourself today on the What Difference Does It Make podcast? Today is a first-rate day on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. First-rate. Is that referring to the person we're talking to? First-rate. The person we are talking to is first-rate. Why would that be, Holly? Today's guest is Rob Juarez. He created the whole Lost 80s Live concert concept. I remember my parents going to 50s type festivals where it was just like, uh, you know, got to see the Everly Brothers and Buddy Holly and, you know, Elvis Presley and blah, 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 you know, like all these artists. And then there was a thing in the 60s. There was the Tammy show with Rolling Stones and James Brown and Marvin Gaye. So now what do we have for the 80s? When do we get to get our package deal? We have ours. It's called Lost 80s Live. And you can see all of your favorite 80s artists at their shows of Flock of Seagulls, The English Beat, Animotion, Dramarama, Naked Eyes, Stacey Q. You know, you know the rundown. But Rob created this whole concept. And this is the 20th anniversary of the Lost 80s Live tour. After talking to him, we realized he is the face of the Lost 80s Live. So we're going to learn all about how that happened. So we should just dive right into the virtual studios and talk with Rob Juarez. But before we do, you will find us on social media at WDDIM podcast and on YouTube at what difference does it make podcast? We're jumping right in. This is Rob Juarez of Lost 80s Live on the what difference does it make podcast? All right. Hey, there he is. Hey, hey. hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. I don't know who. I'm Holly. <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, hi, Holly. How are hi. you? I look like my friend from school. All right. (laughs) You're a South Bay guy, right? Uh, Redondo Beach. So how are you guys today and what are we going to talk about? Uh, (laughs) Go ahead, Holly. Tell them all about us. We are the What Difference Does It Make podcast. And we we talk about 80s music, some pop culture, but mostly 80s music, a lot of K-Rock music from the 80s. We talk to a lot of artists, authors that have written uh, books about our favorite artists, uh, artists themselves. So anything 80s, but mostly music. Yeah, we spoke with John Easdale a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He's the godfather of my daughter. Is he, he really? How yes, sweet. He is. He, yes, he's a godfather of my daughter, Madison Grace Juarez. And what is the relationship? Uh, how, how did that develop? We're, he's the godfather. I understand that. <laughs> yeah, I thought. My daughter. <laughs> You yeah, mean, how did he, how did he get yeah, to how be did, the godfather? How did, how did John come into your life? Okay, so I met John back in early i'm gonna say well i actually met him during the anything anything period when he used to play near my home at a place called bogarts in long beach know it well and uh he used to play that all the time and at fenders all the time that song anything anything was just so amazing it was literally the soundtrack of my summer and then i remember it was in uh, one of the nightmare on elm street soundtracks i believe it was number three I was like, holy crap, there's my song. One day, I was just uh, walking in uh, in Los Angeles. I went to Carney's to get a chili cheese dog. I remember that. I was very young, by the way. And I saw they were playing at the Roxy. 
So I went and seen him at the Roxy, and I go, this guy is is amazing, and I hope one day I uh, run into him. Well, fast forward around 10 years later, I open up a booking agency. I mean, there's so much backstory, but I'm just moving that one forward. We start talking. My cousin is Sluggo Phipps uh, from Oingo Boingo, who uh, is the tall, sexy man. <laughs> Are we talking Oingo Boingo? Oingo Boingo. <laughs> the sexy yes, one Slug- in Oingo Boingo. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I, he's my cousin, so I have to say that. Okay, he, fair he enough. Might, he might beat me. Um, <laughs> As that's Juarez blood. It's uh, Sam Sluggo-Juarez. But yeah, so I introduce myself to him and he goes, well, what do you do? And I go, well, my cousin's this, blah, 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 blah. We talked and I don't know, we became friends. One of those situations where we talked all the time, talked all the time. We'd go to to Disneyland all the time, not Scary Farm. Mm -hmm. So as time goes by, we start working together. Uh, We were so simpatico and we were so on the same wavelength and we're, we're both family men. And um, his daughters are beautiful. And out of the blue, I said, hey, man, you know, I love you so much. You're one of my best friends. Would you be the godfather to my daughter? And he just said, I would be honored. And there, he, the next thing you know, he's at the baptism holding my child. He's the godfather. And they have a really wonderful relationship. They go to Knott's Berry Farm all the time. They go to Disney. We play the Greek theater, and they play with us. And she, she'll come backstage and say hi to him. But she doesn't go to the, you know, she's only 11. So, you know, she's not hanging out with the whiskey, you know? Good. That's really but, sweet. As opposed yeah, to you, but, from what I've heard, you were hanging out uh, in Vegas at an early age. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I was probably, holy crap. It was in the 70s. I mean, I was born in 67. I was probably 12 or 13 when I really look back. But one of the last few times Elvis played Las Vegas. You were young. And it was younger. He passed in 77. So you were. He died. He, no, he died in 70. He died. He died. My grandfather and him died the same day. Oh. My grandfather was in the obituary and Elvis was on the front cover. Wow. So I, I remember that day. I'll never forget that. I hear my father coming to my room saying grandpa died. And I remember on the news the same day Elvis Presley died. That was surreal, but yeah. Wow. That, so you're saying right. you actually yeah. saw you saw Elvis I, I, in Vegas? I saw, I, yeah, my my second cousin Johnny Sanders, he was the guitar player in uh, Elvis's band, the backing band. It was kind of hard because I didn't believe my mom that he was because I was an Elvis fan, being a little kid, being exposed to it from both of them. I mean. In my dad's office, he had a shrine to Elvis with all the records and the posters. It, it, was, it was pretty interesting. My mom one day said, well, you know, your your second cousin, John Sanders, is uh, Elvis's guitar player. I go, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Don't be cruel, mom. You know, you're wrong. <laughs> wow. Very good. So we got invited. I don't know how it happened. We got invited to one of his last shows in Vegas. First of all, I was very impressed. I was such a little kid, but I remember being like, third row from the stage like how in the hell did that happen mm-hmm. like how did you get these tickets i mean I, I i knew nothing i didn't know anything about the music business but i'm going wow mom that is cool seats you know <laughs> i mean there's a stage there's a stage and screaming obsessed women all around us it was pretty crazy and i just saw my second cousin johnny sanders he came over about three months before that and he said he did say he goes he goes, hey man you know going to be in Vegas. You guys got to stop by and see me. And I was like, I'm such a little kid. I'm going, why? Why would I want to go to Vegas to see you? But, you know, he never boasted about it. But then my mom told me. And so again, we went and I see him on stage and I'm like, oh, he's such a liar. 
I, I, he's a liar. I knew it. He's a liar. And she goes, no, he's not. He's behind the curtain with the other musicians. I remember this. I wish I still had mine. There were little metal, it was like a coin, and it had a, it was like a backstage pass. It was a coin, it said Elvis on it. And it was a lanyard, but it was a coin, like a Vegas chip. And we walked back there. I walked, started walking around. And sure enough, there was my 300 plus pound second cousin behind playing the guitar. They were playing Suspicion Mind. And I was like, holy shite. It's not a lie. He was back there with about 15 other musicians behind the curtain. So apparently when Elvis played and I made a joke, I called them the Fuglies. I think he left all the Fuglies behind the curtain. So the Fuglies didn't get to be shown. But he was back there with about another dozen or so Fuglies from tambourine to backing vocalist to a couple guys on horns. It was, it was surreal. And again, being young, I was exposed to that early. But I knew a lot about the music business or about musicians because my grandfather, John Acuna, my mother's father, he played guitar with Roy Rogers. And we got some pictures and they was there with Roy Rogers and uh, Gene Autry together. And all three of them were playing wow. guitar at a troop thing. So it was pretty cool. I got to brag a lot about that in like, you know, third, third grade. So it was kind of cool. I was told a lot of stories that gave me a great childhood. So being exposed to that, you know, moving forward, realizing my cousin is an Oingo Boingo when I'm in high school. And I remember my uncle Mark, God rest his soul, he passed away at 42. He goes, hey man, uh, you're not old enough, but you know, your cousin is going to be on the gong show tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm like, I can't watch the gong show. I can't even watch Fantasy Island. The gong show is no way. My parents won't let me. He goes, well, let me talk to your mom. But, you know, they're playing there. We got tickets. And uh, he's playing. Because he was in a thing called, uh, he was in a troupe called the Mystic Knights of Oingo Boingo. They dressed up like clowns. And it was pretty stupid. But I, <laughs> he'll probably hear this and smack me. To open our show, we bring you an act who at first may shock you. But once you get to know them, they'll just boggle your mind. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. We will now play the rarely performed Haydn Trio for piano, accordion, and triangle. Thank you. <laughs> me welcome the winner who are the mystic knights of the oingo boingos but i i did i, I was too young I, I i couldn't appreciate it you know so anyway so now time goes by i'm walking over from school and uh, i stop by my grandma's house and my uncle mark is still there he goes hey he goes you know your cousin just put a brand new album out have you heard it? it's on k-rock i go what he goes yeah um, oingo boingo i'm like oh okay oh, whatever so i was listening to the mighty 690 at the time okay <laughs> me too <I'm> right. <laughs> uh, yeah my, my my peachy folder had mighty 690 rules i was a dork okay yeah. full full disclosure well that's that's and, why uh, we're doing this too we're dorks as well so yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. well i mean i'm even wearing my, my pop funko shirt of me for my my tour Oh. I'm a dork. You see oh, that's you. you. Oh, that's that, you. That's my Pop Funko. Yeah. I, I also have a keychain of a figure coming out next year. Yeah, everything. Yeah, because well, I know the owner, and because um, I do a lot of charity work mm. for type 1 diabetes and for St. Jude's, I get a lot of perks. They, they do a lot of stuff. I got a keychain coming out. I got a lanyard. Uh, another shirt coming out.
So then back, back to that part about the Boingo thing, he tells me, oh, they're, they're playing the whiskey. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he, he starts playing the music for me. And, you know, it's like, it's like only a lad, you know? The lady down the block, she had her radio, the Johnny wanted oh so bad. And so we took the first chance he had. And then he shot her in the leg. But this is what she said. Only a lad. Like, oh wow, this is really cool. I mean, I was listening to Rod Stewart. I went from there to like immediately going and getting to like Devo and like, you know, Boingo and Kraftwerk. <laughs> like, wow, what a different world. And I got introduced to K Rock. I go to the whiskey and I went to Sam. I said, hey, I'm your cousin. He goes, get away from me, kid. You're not my, you're, we're not related. I go, wow. So I go, okay. So I went, I left the area. And I remember I talked to my Uncle Mark, and I go, oh, let's go. So we went, he saw the show, and I talked to my grandma, Rosa Juarez, who she's gone to. I said, I said, Grandma, I go, Mark says that we're related to Sam, but Sam says I'm not related to him. And she goes, she called me Lalo. Lalo, yes, he's your cousin, your first cousin. I'm like, wow, okay. So I'm calling his mom. So she called <laughs> So she calls mom. Mom. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, she called H Helena, Helena Juarez. And she goes, so my son's son went to go see your son. And Sam says that he has no cousin, Bobby. And all of a sudden, Sam is there. And he goes, Sam, your cousin's on the phone. <laughs> and he goes, who? He goes, his name is Bobby. He just said, talked to you at the whiskey. And you said you weren't related to him. Made him feel bad, which I never said I feel bad. And, and I heard him go, what? He's really my cousin? I mean, Juarez, come on. It's like, yeah. it's a very well-known name and people try to take claim to certain things. But boom, it's like we got <laughs> on the phone and we talk and he goes, oh my God. He goes, I didn't know. He goes, there's so many Juarez's. I thought you were just some punk kid mm -hmm. trying to, uh, you know, score some free tickets. Then next thing you know, I get invited to the S Festival and I'm backstage <laughs> with Missing Persons and English Beat and Flock of Seagulls and Inexet. Oh, it was, it was a very unique childhood. I, I got to experience a lot. Try not to be too cool here. Can't be too cool at US 83. Fish here from K-Rock. Thanks for coming down. All right, we're here to see the Clowns of Death from LA. Otherwise known as the most energetic band at US 83, Oingo Boingo! Then, you know, I, I became a musician because I, it's my freaking blood. I, I play percussion and um, I started playing, you know, congas, bongos, uh, bongos, timbales, any, all, all Latin stuff, all the, all the, doom, 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 all the nice rhythm, the Hispanic, the Latin, the Indian rhythm, all the R&B. And um, I ran, I met Dave Wakeling and I said, hey, Dave, I'm a huge fan of yours. And, and next thing you know, I'm in general public. Playing percussion. What year is this? It was actually they split up. Okay, the band. It was okay. ninety eight. I nice. think it was ninety eight. Because I'll take you there. Just came out. Mm -hmm. It was in the threesome soundtrack. Yeah. And 
that ended and then they split up and then so that was a time frame dave and i became really super good friends and uh, he was the best man at my wedding you know my first show was like playing the k the k rock like some flashback show uh with the cure and duran duran and i remember walking on stage i remember funny going to the bathroom as i'm doing my thing robert smith stands right next to me he starts doing his thing john taylor duran duran stand here whips it out do this thing and i'm in the middle and they're talking over me and john taylor looks at me and goes hey man what's your name i go I, I i go by rob now you know the musician rob he goes dude pretty good percussion i was watching you do tenderness with dave i'm a friend of dave's like oh thank you and i literally was <laughs> like in awe i was like oh my god they recognize me because i'm such a huge fan now i'm feeling like they're my peers but now i'm like a, a total groupy boy and i don't know what to do and yet i'm holding my penis in my hand yeah right okay this is not a good time (laughs) and then as i'm walking out of the bathroom here comes richard butler psychedelic furs walking in and it was just hilarious and and he's like oh so is this the boys room it's the meeting room huh and taylor looked at him and just go whatever you like and walked right by it was a very weird surreal because all my heroes growing up Mm. i'm now at that level i'm now on that same stage playing with general public on these same bills with these mega stars of the 80s who i was enamored with as a child oh hey we're talking with rob juarez and we need to have a little break we shall return shortly Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Welcome back to the What Difference Does It Make podcast and our guest, Rob Juarez of Lost 80s Live. I really liked the business side. I started booking bands. I started calling everyone I knew. I started saying, hey, Dave, you know, do you, I, I know, you know, I just, do you want me to book you? And, but I'm still in the band at the time. Right. So right. it was kind of weird. He goes, oh, so you're going to double dip, huh? 
<laughs> he goes, that's fine. Why don't you be the booking agent too? At least yeah. we know who's controlling the money. Right, right. So now I'm the booking agent for English Beat Dave Wake. Because it wasn't English Beat at the time. We had to call it English Beat Dave Wakeling because he did not yet have the trademark. It was still in dispute with Rankin Roger, okay? Mm-hmm. And general public, we weren't doing it anymore. He wanted to start doing English Beat because English Beat had a bigger following in the U.S. So I started booking and touring, and it just got overwhelming. I mean, the money was great. I got to go all over the country. I experienced a lot. It was overwhelming. So I, Dave and I parted ways as good friends. And I opened up an agency called the Boss Booking Agency because he's a tell me, he's always calling me boss. Hey, boss, what's on the books? The boss book, I go, TBBA. And he goes, that would do it. So if you were to go online right now and look at TBBA, that's my website. That's my agency I own. Yeah. And I handle everybody from ABC to Tony Hadley, from Spandau Ballet to Flock of Seagulls to Wayne Chung. The list just goes on and on and on, all my clients. But I still am still a musician at heart. I started playing with like Stacey Q and Transex and um, The Flirts and Pretty Poison and so on and so on. And um, and then I was like, okay, so what else? Like, oh, you know, the 80s is pretty cool, you know? And this was in 2002. And I'm like, I'm going to start something. People aren't ready for it yet. But I mean, I talked to a good friend of mine. His name is Sean Striegel. He used to be head of Live Nation Touring, was the number one buyer of the year on Polestar two years in a row. And he goes, well, why don't we do 80s show? And I go, well, it's not really 80s yet. You know, I mean, is it really is it going to work? And um, we tried it out at House of Blues when they first started. Back then, oh my God, it was so amazing. Tickets were like $12 to come see us. Like Flock of Seagulls and Emotion you know, Berlin, and it worked. And, this was you know, the, yeah. the first show at House of Blues in Anaheim? Well, no, no, no. First show, the first show was actually in Las Vegas. Oh, you it tried. was at an outdoor, outdoor amphitheater, and it flopped. The promoter didn't know to promote it. Probably 600 people was there, and we were on a, a show, a fairground that held like 10,000 people. Oh, yeah. And it, it flopped heavily. And, <laughs> so um, what do you do after that? I mean, like you look at well, yourself I, like, do we well, want to continue this? Well, what happens is I took all the criticism because we can only drop so many names when you're trying to do something. And the bottom line is once you get your foot in the door, you, you have to then prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you, you, you can get all the recommendations you want. I mean, like I said, I mean, if I had to put my resume, I know someone from almost every generation for the last 40 years in music, but you got to prove yourself. So I got so many doors slammed on my face and saying, oh, kid, you know, it's a good idea, kid, but you know, you're young. I, I would not get in this business. It's not, I, I think you should do something else. I was, I was told I would never succeed. I started working with Devo. I met Jerry Casali at a concert for Nike. It was called the Run Hit Wonder. And it was like Flock of Seagulls, Dramarama. <laughs> I booked all the bands, but Devo. I was at the show. I didn't want to go. I was really, really melancholy that night for some reason. I was in a sad mood. I don't know why. I didn't want to go. But Mike Score from Flock of Seagulls, one of my dear friends, called me and goes, man, come to the show. I know you're not in a good mood. Come to sh- I don't want to go. I don't want to go. He goes, he goes, you need to come to the show. He goes, I'm going to come drag you. So Mike Scored came, drove to my house, picked me up, took me to the, the Westin Hotel where they're having the pre-meeting greet before the, the Nike run in the morning. I walked in there. And of course, John Easdale's in there. I already knew that. And Flock's in there. And all of a sudden, here comes walking Jerry Casali from Devo. And I'm like, wow, Devo, big fan. And I called my friend Sean Striegel. And if Sean sees this, he'll verify this. Like I said, he was head of Live Nation Touring for several years. And he calls me. I go, dude, 
your favorite band. I'm standing next to Jerry Casali. And I said to Jerry, I go, Jerry, you're playing tomorrow. He said, yeah, we're playing the big stage at the end of the run where the band finished at the stage. And he's like, yeah, I booked it through a guy named Tim. He like works at Nike. He goes, we have no agent. I was like, oh my God. And then Sean kept saying, oh my God, get Devo. We got to have Devo, my favorite band. I'll, I'll give them whatever they want. I, I run all, I can book them in 30 clubs. Rob, you should tell them. And Mike introduced me to him again. He goes, well, by the way, this is Rob. Rob's my agent. And he goes, I've been working with Rob for about 10 years now. And a good guy. I always, I, I always get paid. <laughs> so, you know, we're here. I go, Jerry, this guy needs to talk to you. Because, by the way, Jerry loves working. He was the guy who always wanted the book show. He wants to work. He likes making money. Mark is the film composer who, like, not really interested. He has to get begged by the other bands, by the other members half the time to work. And that's how it was with our relationship moving forward. So I go, please talk to Sean. And he go, who? I go, Sean runs all the House of Blues. He go, oh, wow, it's a great place. And if they're talking, hey, this is Sean. Hey, my God, Jerry, blah, blah. He goes, I would love to have you play my stuff. He goes, who's your agent? And Jerry's like, oh, Rob Juarez. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so now I'm the agent for Devo. And that lasted for about seven years. And that was an amazing experience in my life. And um, not only financially beneficial, it was just, I learned a lot. But in that time frame, Sean was booking Devo everywhere across the country. And I was traveling a lot with him because I also became not only the agent, but kind of like a liaison. The band was very mistrusting, you know? So I made sure all the payments came, everything got everything to be taken care of. So Sean says, why don't we do the lost eighties again? And we do it, but we do a big place. Well, I said, oh, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. He goes, no, Devo a headline and we'll do it at the Coors Amphitheater, Live Nation, it's Fiddler's Green in Denver, Colorado. And I said, really? He goes, yes. And he goes, let me get you. He goes, who can you get on the bill? So we had like Flock of Seagulls, Dramarama, English Beat, Missing Persons, Real Life, and Devo headlined it. And it was called Lost 80s Live. So if you were to go on your website, a website, and you were to look at, punch up like um, Devo, Lost 80s Live, you would see the art. And it was amazing. That show did... 17,000 people almost almost sold out and that right there that show put us on the map <laughs> did did mark design the uh the artwork for that that poster no or? we had a guy called the mongoloid and <laughs> the mongoloid used to design everything for devo um, <laughs> because he's called the mongoloid yeah. like okay this, he's got to work what? for devo you know that's kind of funny why but he was called the mongoloid he designed everything for them and um it put lost Eaties on the map this was what year 2004 maybe okay 
All right. Yes, so you, so this was two years after. So the first one you did was 2002 in Vegas. Huge flop. Flopped. And then you. Huge. But that was it, man. It, 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 that was up and running. And then we started playing bigger and bigger places. And But you like to. Reg- I mean, we're saying this is the 20th anniversary. That yeah. that first show, though, was a huge flop. You you don't want right. to. You want to keep that in you the family, that, that show in the family. You know, the bottom line is my heart was in it. Yeah. And it wasn't done the right way. It's like anything you do, you know, although I'm an agent and I own a brand, I have an agent for me and their universal attractions out of New York. Okay. They handle my, they handle most of my shows. I book some of them. Like I book a Saratoga mountain winery. I book Humphreys in San Diego and a couple mm-hmm. others. Cause I've been doing it for so long. I just why, why give the commission away when it's already in my, my pocket Stupid, <laughs> because, because we make a lot of money on these shows. So why would I give that kind of money away? Um, you know, for free. Uh, when I could just sign the paperwork myself. It's great because they're a huge team, but I try to look at everything as like, okay, so I failed here. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a good thing. People told me to not do it. People told me to pound sand, but I didn't give up. So I consider even the first show, which I consider a failure, emotionally, I consider it a success. You probably learned more in that show than at any other show. And it's an I, anniversary. I, yeah, it still took yes, place. Yes, it, it, it is. It is. So it took place. And I have to tell you, the date, if I'm not mistaken, it was like the second week in August. Technically, the Maverick Center in Salt Lake City is officially my 20 years. Okay. Oh, nice. On that oh. day. Oh. That, that's why I look at it. So, you know, like I said, I got to look at my failure also as a success because it took me to where I am now. If I listen to those who said, hey, buddy, pound sand, it's not, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, my life may have been a bit different, you know? Yeah, I, I followed my own heart and didn't let people tell me I couldn't do it. And uh, I just did it. And here I am today, probably 480 plus shows in 20 years. Because, you know, we only play during the summer. And, um, you know, we've had everyone on our bill from ABC to Boy George to Devo Cutting Crew, Wayne Chung, Nina Hagen, Scandal, Berlin, Thomas Dolby, The Escape Club, The Vapors. Flock of Seagulls and Dramarama are always on the bill. Is that, uh, is that a no, guarantee? <laughs> no. Well, Flock of Seagulls is always on the bill because Mike Score always wants to play. That's and, great. And That's what you want. Be, yeah. It, it'd almost be funny to not want to have someone on your bill who's a household name and they do parodies of him on Saturday Night Live. That would be silly. So that this is why I, I have him. And plus, we're, we're really good friends. I mean, we, we go back. So, you know, again, there's so much in between that. Like, you know, I, I, I worked uh, with the poor man on K-Rock Radio as an intern, starting out learning the business. I'm sorry. Worked with Richard. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know. But you know, but you know what, though? Everything, just like my gray hair, yeah. is a stepping stone. I'm sure that was you, a learning experience as well. And the experience, well, yeah. Then it well, makes the other I mean, things easier. When I worked with him, we used to book concerts at the whiskey. We called it the poor fest. Mm-hmm. Okay. The poor <laughs> fest, the whiskey. It was like 93, 94, 95. And I was the first person to get no doubt to play the whiskey. No doubt had their album with a song trapped in the box and how we were able to get them on the show or to get to play with us. Cause they were playing glam two nights before was that we said, I'll tell you what, you have a new album. Well, you want to come on love line. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That would make or break this. Well, then we need you to play for us at the Whiskey. And they played for free at the Whiskey. So we wound up doing like No Doubt, Fishbone, The Untouchables, and Dave Wakeling. 
Okay. That's a good bill. That's an, yeah, and, that's an LA nineties bill. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And the line, and we, we fit 900, I mean, I'll never forget this, 926 people in that room. Okay, I'll never forget that day because we broke the record until Lemmy had his birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but but you, of course you can't count the fact when Van Halen was there. We don't. We, we, that's not in the whole running because that's a whole different animal. But as a concert, like for this, it, it was insane. Yeah. But we but we had nine twenty seven in the room. That was a surreal part. I mean, I still have photos of it. Actually, I'm glad we're talking about it because it reminds me of where I came from, like how this all started like without that I would not be here because mm -hmm. everything is a stepping stone I, I truly believe that I was very lucky I've had fun so who's on your wish list I'm sure you get asked that a lot okay so this year is a 20th anniversary and the irony is I've been asked this question several times I have done every, every band I've wanted on the bill has come and done it for me mostly because of who I am and what I've done and who I know and the connection that we all have. We're all connected. We all know one another due to either family or because we spent many years touring together. So as long as you keep the ego at bay, everybody wants to work with you. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, one of my wish lists and someone who I really loved a lot, and unfortunately, I, I, it was really heartbreaking, um, Big Country, I had an opportunity to book them across the country with Sean Striegel and um, they were going to do a little comeback. And um, I remember we had all these dates booked and we we're getting ready to do this, these shows. And I get a phone call that Stewart had died. First of all, my jaw dropped, tears roamed down my face because he was such a beautiful soul. That was my bucket list to, to work with Big Country. As a kid, that was my band. The, the album, The Crossing, Forget the commercial songs, but just the, the album itself. I mean, it put my hairs to pop up on my arm. They, you know, Chance, you know, Young Man, uh, Harvest Home. You know, these were like some amazing, some, some, big country and feels like, you know, it's a great song, but there was so much more than that. Did you happen you know? to be at their show at the Palladium? I was, I went to I that show. I, I was, Wire Train opened. Right. Okay. So what yeah, was unique about, do you remember what they did in their set list that, that was like, that yeah. freaked me out? A lot of that freaked me out because I never heard Wonderland before and they played Wonderland. Okay. Okay. And the fact that they opened and closed within a big country. That's it. That's <laughs> it. No band has ever done that.
jumping up and down and I knew being <laughs> emotional because that was my band. And I remember, I want to meet him. Am I going to be a little groupie? I'm, F it. I'm going to be a groupie. And I got past, I, I, I started like using me. Well, my cousin started on Go Boy and Go. I was, I was young. I was stupid. <laughs> and you should know who I am because they're never going to play here again. We never played the podium. They always played, they always played the Universal Amphitheater, you know? Yeah. But I, I said that like out of stupidity, just being, I was, I was young. But I remember security guy goes, I like going to go, go, go ahead and go. Oh. So I met Stuart and he had his son with him. And he was like this big. He was carrying him. And um, I had my, my mom's Polaroid cameras in my backpack. And I took the picture of his son and him. I still have that picture to this day on my wall in my office. In his eyes, I mean, I, I read so I read people really well. I'm, I'm a people person. I, I love to talk. I like to reminisce. I love people in general. Even if you harm me or you make me feel bad, I, I'm still going to admire you because there's something that attracted to me, me to you to begin with. Maybe there's like that flaw you have that I didn't realize, but that's my problem. You know, when I met him, it was this emotion in his eyes, and I remember looking at his son and. I just said that man is so beautiful and he has such a big heart and the songs touched me and that was my favorite band and when I had the opportunity to work with him I was on cloud nine and when he died I felt a piece of my life died with it he was the most important thing to me growing up and that makes it actually brings tears to my eyes because he was such an amazing person I'll never forget him I mean I still pay homage to him every time on his birthday and I write about him and I put pictures of him all over my social media and to say what an amazing man this, this was and what pain he must have felt to have to take his life. Mm. That was my bucket list and um, never got, never, it never happened. I love working with people, but I, I don't put my heart into my bucket list anymore because last time I did, I had a tragic outcome. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of work. I mean, look, yeah. I, I come across very positive and very confident and of what I'm doing and a little like, you know, like airheadish because like, even though we're talking, I have a million things running through my head. I have a tour that starts in 14 days. I have thousands and thousands of tickets sold across the country. I'm dealing with press. I'm dealing with production and backline and catering and travel and hotels and all this stuff goes to my phone. I'm, it, it doesn't stop. Like the first of July, we call it hell week. The first week is when everybody wants to start advancing the shows and it just, it hasn't stopped. Even as we're talking, which is a lovely conversation, I've had 61 text messages on my phone Yeah, and I, I just, I can't, I not mentally can get through them and have a conversation with you because I got to focus on what they want. And it's kind of funny. I made a joke with the Richard blade. It's like, you know, sweet 16 was my 16th anniversary, which was really fun. Okay. <laughs> and we had, we had 16 bands play. We did Las Vegas, the, the event center, the 17th anniversary. Well, kind of started falling apart because of the pandemic shows were starting to get postponed a little bit the 18th technically happened but then got canceled again got postponed the 19th which was last year we postponed them and moved into december we did two play we did two dallas we did saratoga humphreys the greek and so the 20th was, was a lot of pressure the last three years was a lot of pressure with cancellations and you know you, you can't just reschedule this i mean this is the, the government that we live in that we have to we live with with immigration bottom line is we're in a pandemic these bands lost all their visa fees and everything yeah. and they try to make them pay again they kept the money we couldn't come and they were heartless so some of the, some of the bands couldn't afford to come back because immigration attorneys took all the money 
for the year we didn't do the tour and because there was no money coming in they couldn't afford to do the immigration process mm -hmm. all over again so it, it was crucial that we did that most of them did this year that were local that's why it was the 20th anniversary where we are celebrating the special treat the big joke with richard blade was six weeks 16 17 was going to be the uh, sexy and 17, like the Stray Cats tour, you know? <laughs> the 21st anniversary will be, we're going to call it finally legal. <laughs> nice. It, it's always fun to see who, who's playing these things. And yeah. Ma yeah, maybe you can get the Stray Cats for next year. I'm sure that's on your list. I can't say anything. Okay. <laughs> nice try, Dave. I'm trying. I, I will tell you this. When I say things, Dave, for some reason, the gods are against me. Okay. So I've learned when I keep my mouth shut, beautiful things happen. Yeah. We have beautiful things happen when I shut my mouth. Nice. <laughs> That's all I can okay. say. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, can't be too confident. There you <laughs> go. We'll leave it at that. And this was a lot of fun. I mean, I mean, we <laughs> talked about, I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff. I, I kind of got a little backtracked because there's so much, I mean, it's weird. I've had so many interviews. I kid you not in the last 10 days and I've been asked questions I've never been asked before. It's kind of taking me deep back from like when I was in high school. Did I know I was going to do this? Did I know this was like my future? Yeah. And it was like, how would I know I was going to build a company? How did I know I was going to form Lost 80s Live? I, I, didn't, I didn't know my future. I mean, I was listening to the Mighty 690. I, I had no, I never, I had no idea in the world that, you know, oh my God, my cousin's in Lingo Boingo. I've asked all these questions and they it actually believe it, even the big, the big country thing where I get very sentimental. It, it brings up a lot of, I mean, I'm 54 and 55 in October. I mean, I've been doing this since I was like 16 years old. Mm -hmm. I'll just say this. I, I lived the dream. I was a little boy. I got to go on stage. I got to play music. Um, I got to meet a lot of girls. I got to, you know, I, I got, you know, pictures taken of me everywhere. I've been in lawsuits. I mean, it, it's a real business, you know, yeah. but I do appreciate the interview. I'm so blessed to do this. So it was just very nice to be able to talk about the past with you guys. It's good for my soul to just remember where I came from. Well, I have to provide anytime. that for them. Come back anytime. Thank you, Thank you so well, very much. Go answer your texts. Yeah. Go yeah. hug your daughter. Yeah. Again, again, I just want to thank you so much for, for letting me talk to you and letting me unleash my past of how I started. Uh, it was, it was, it was cheaper than my therapist. <laughs> Fair so, enough. <laughs> so thank you. Take All right. Care. Bye guys. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. Okay, Holly, I've learned that it's hard work to put shows together. It's not simple. This seems harder than when you go to Ikea and try to put something together and you know, you feel like I got this. It's it's a little bit harder than that, isn't it? It's quite a bit harder than that, I think. He has done a phenomenal job with this. It just seems like things have to be changed on the fly. There are issues with bands, as he mentioned. Visas, getting getting the artists here, traveling around. It's got to be a ton of work. And if you have 6, 10, 18 bands on the bill, imagine dealing, you know, just like juggling all the time, balls in the air all the time. You're a mom. Can you imagine if you had, let's say you had 18 children and you decide to go on a road trip around the country. Could you do that? Uh, nope. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> now, pretend they're all 21 and they drink and they want things. <laughs> and they're petulant children. What do you do? He's so great. He seems to have such a great attitude about it. He really seems to love what he does. He's passionate about it. And he's our age, so he's obviously into the music. He clearly loves what he does. And so that's the lesson that we've learned. Like, sometimes you just got to step back and like, you know what? If I was 16 and someone told me this is what I would be doing with my life, I would be perfectly happy with that. And I would be thankful that this is what I do. 
And that's exactly what Rob's story is. I think it's a good story. I like it. It's a great story. And by the way, don't you love what you do? I do. When I was 16, I was like, I want to be on a podcast. I want a podcast. I love podcasting. So thank you to Rob Juarez for letting us into his world and opening up some doors and letting us know what exactly goes on to put on one of these shows. It's a, it's a wonderful talk. Um, a fascinating process. Yes. If you want to see what Rob looks like standing next to us in squares, then subscribe to our YouTube page. How'd they do that, Holly? You can find us at What Difference Does It Make Podcast and you will find outtakes. So you can, yes, you can see Rob and you can feel how animated he is. So yeah, fun things on YouTube, fun things on social media where you can find us at WDDIM Podcast. We also have WDDIMPodcast.com in case you want to see all our episodes and you know, you love this and you want more. You want to hear what John Easdale or John Marama from Lost 80s Live has to say then come aboard thank you to uh, pantheon podcast we are a proud member of the pantheon podcast family we have new episodes every friday so please subscribe and until next week this is dave this is holly check you later over and out it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.